0: Got time for a quick story. A really good album sets a mood. Start to finish. There's not a point where you go, yeah, I'm, g- I'm going to skip past this song. I mean, maybe you don't want to listen to every single song every single time, but there's never that one song or two or three or most of the songs on a given album that you want to skip. They present a mood, they present a setting, because when you're in a mood, when you're in a setting, when you're in a, you're in a certain atmosphere environment place you don't skip parts it's all one experience rio by duran duran provides that when i hear that album i picture the the ideal of what the 80s were going to bring I feel energy. I see pastels. There are, and people are wearing fashionable clothes. There, it's like a, it's like one of the best parties you were ever at. But it's not too snooty of a party. But it's not too crazy of a party. And it's probably near a beach somewhere. Which makes sense, because well, look at the videos from the album. But that gives you an idea of how well Rio was put together. It's a classic album. It's an album worthy of more discovery. And thankfully, somebody has done just that. We're talking today to Annie Zaleski. There's a new book out about one of my all-time favorite albums that is deserving of more uh, introspection, and she's doing that as part of the 33 and a 3rd book series, Duran Duran's Rio, at long last getting some more pub. I mean, it's a it's a well-regarded album, obviously. Uh, I was reading up uh, one of one of your interviews uh, that that you did, that you've been pitching this album for a while now, and finally it got accepted.
1: Uh, that is that is right. We're almost fifteen years. I started pitching this album to the series in two thousand seven, and it was not taken. And I, I pitched it again in two thousand nine also not taken. And so I kind of put it to the side for, geez, almost a decade. And then finally, finally, I, I had the right the, the right calculus, the right proposal. And it worked.
0: Mm, what what do you think made the uh, the, the organizers of the series decide now was the time to do it?
1: You know, I think a combination of things. Um, the series is published by Bloomsbury, which is an academic publisher, and it, it used to not be it was a different it was distributed by someone else and printed by someone else. So I think there was a little bit of change in editorship. So I think that helped. Um, I think I probably wrote a better proposal. I think I kind of had a better idea of how to be persuasive. So it was probably me just having a decade more of experience. Um, I think also just Duran Duran is finally really you know and and i think a decade ago when i first started pitching it they had really started having a resurgence with red carpet massacre and working with justin timberlake and the killers talking them up but i think now it's it's even become greater like their regard i think people are really really starting to come around like hey duran duran's a really amazing band it always has been you know they're amazing musicians they wrote amazing songs you know maybe in the 80s if you thought that they were just some you know MTV boy band like I was really wrong (laughs) right so I think that there's a lot more people who are saying no this is a really good band and it's time for them to get their due
0: okay so your first exposure to the album what was your the or or any of the songs off that album so uh, a two-part question first first exposure to anything from that whether you liked it or you didn't or didn't care one way or the other and second when did you really dive in personally to go I love this album (laughs)
1: So I think, you know, it's funny because I, I started getting it in Duran Duran in the early 90s around the wedding album. And I think it was probably around that time, you know, so many radio stations had modern rock. Like 80s retro shows and flashback shows. And I think VH1 played a lot of 80s videos. So I know I saw Rio and Hungry Like the Wolf at some point, you know, Mm -hmm. and that, or I, and I heard them and Save a Prayer. And they were just kind of, you know, they were such iconic songs. They were just really part of the fabric of everything going on. I got Rio out of the library. My, my, my town's library had Rio and I taped it. And I, I still have the tape. I literally have it in like the other room. I'm going to share it on social media. Nice. And I cause and I, I loved it, you know, because, you know, I was a kid, you know, I didn't have money for, you know, like a ton of albums. So I burned CDs from the library to tapes. So I, that was my first exposure and I loved it. Like I, you know, I mean, that is one of the ones I remember as a teenager that I just absolutely loved the record. And, you know, and I got Decade, their Greatest Hits record, too. You know, and I actually, on the second side of the tape is all of these singles from decades. So it's Rio, most of Rio on one side and the rest of it's like singles. (laughs) I was always a huge Duran Duran fan as a kid. And so this is something that's been, you know, 25, at least 25 years now, probably over that.
0: Yeah, that was my first... Full Duran Duran album on cassette back in 1991. I think is when I got the got it on cassette when I started to dive into their music again. It was ironic considering that was pre wedding album, post Liberty, so they were kind of at one of their definite uh, ebbs of their career. Yeah. But but that's when I I dove in as well. That has always seemed to be the most complete, comprehensive album of theirs. I, I, why do you think that album works so much better and maybe I'm I'm kind of leading with a question but why does that album work so well compared to anything else in their over, even if it's fairly comparable or something that's far distant.
1: You know, I think one reason is is that it's just when you listen to the songs it's such a cohesive universe i mean every single song on the album is great every single song could have been a single and you know in every single song it's a very it's a well sequenced album it's a very cohesive album so first off i think the songwriting everybody was just like really you know together and they were really just in a creative peak so I think everyone also musically I think had really hit their stride you know they they had been together as a band for less than two years and their first record they were kind of trying to figure out how they all fit together and you know where their influences kind of fit and that they just they kind of gelled Um, they had also been on the road and I think that helped a lot too I mean in 1981 up. Duran Duran just toured they hit the road and just really worked hard and so when you're a working band and you're playing every night and you're playing together you become really good really fast so I think that's also you know and they just you know and a lot of also I think luck too you know you know there's so many great bands that write these amazing singles and it just doesn't you know for whatever reason it doesn't connect and they had that magic alchemy you know the stars aligned mm-hmm. as I as I've said in the book
0: you've interviewed a lot of people for this book uh, yes. it's nice and comprehensive. What was the most interesting interview of all the ones that you did?
1: That's a really good question. Um, you know, I, I, would interviewed John and Nick before over the years. And so, you know, and I was, you know, and so I had some familiarity, um, all of the band members, honestly, were super interesting. I interviewed everyone with Simon and, you know, their insights, um, they're such, I, I've said this elsewhere but they're so, they're so good at analyzing Duran Duran and they're also so good at inal- analyzing the band's place and culture that's really hard to do they vary they understand themselves and they understand the band's place and culture um they were all great um Malcolm Garrett who did the graphic design for the album sleeve was also just amazing he is a total genius mm. and you know and he's done work for Buzzcocks a magazine all sorts of art and the way he kind of described because he worked with Duran Duran for a, a like for their first five years. He did a ton of the graphic design. Um, just the way he described how he kind of everything kind of came together and what he did, just great. He really understood the band. And, you know, and so his insights were just invaluable. Just so interesting, too.
0: Uh, I'm looking forward to reading the part where you interview uh, David Kirschenbaum Because that, again, yeah. again, that was, for those of us in America, that's usually the first version we heard, whether it was in real time or those of us that discovered it in the 90s, and hearing those mixes and the punchiness, and then to later hear the original, you're like, "There's something a little lacking," but that's because we were exposed to the Americanized version of of that of of what Kirschenbaum did to remix it. How from from what your interviews, from your interviews and with him and others, was there any takeaway of? Of how critical those mixes were in selling the album and making the band sound a little bit more palatable to an American audience versus a British European audience.
1: What was so interesting in, in digging into that, and I talked to a lot of radio people, too, to also kind of try to figure out that puzzle, because it's right. They, you know, Duran Duran didn't hit it radio until there was a remix of Hungry, Hungry Like the Wolf. What was so interesting is there was the Kirschenbaum remix. Then there was also the night version remix of Hungry Like the Wolf, which Colin Thurston did. And basically both versions got radio play and so it was like a combination it was like the double duty it was like the cool you know seductive dance floor version and also David Kirshenbaum's version that does it kind of the keyboards are a little bit in the background Simon's vocals are up in the mix it's a little more you know rock and you know you hear that on like the the top 40 stations so it was like a combination I think that's what was so interesting is that you know? It it took like multiple versions of the song, you know, and I think now people are almost more familiar with the UK version. You know, people I think almost forget that the Kirshenbaum, I don't think the bomb mix is actually used on the radio now. I think it is the original mix.
0: In fact, and so it's oh, yeah. go ahead.
1: I no, yeah. I was going to say so. That's what's so interesting is that you know, and if you're not listening to it closely, you know, I mean, it's like you know, it's it is very subtle. Like you really have to be to you know, dig into and say, oh, that is a little bit of different. You know, you really have to listen closely. It's so
0: interesting. Well, and in fact, the the station, the, my station, Greatest Hits ninety eight point one, we make a point of playing the original single mixes and radio edits of songs, which which is a little, uh-huh. little bit more challenging because we got to search them out a bit more. It's like we're getting added degree of difficulty, but we're trying to recreate what you would have heard on the radio if you were alive at the time. So, a couple of years ago, I dubbed in the Kirschenbaum mixes over the ones that you hear everywhere else. And it stands out, but you can also hear, like, you listen to old American Top 40s, same thing. You can tell, like, there's not the double tracking or there's a little something extra there, but it stands out more than the other ones. It jumps a bit more. And I can see why in America that would have made a bigger difference.
1: And especially because rock radio at that time, you know, and, and the song hit at rock radio and then it crossed over to pop radio. Rock radio was so different then. It was just starting to kind of embrace like, you know, men at work and, and you know, the go is you know, oh, well, I guess the Go-Go's were hit, but men at work and Duxie's Midnight Runners and Thomas Dolby, that they were just starting then. And so it was so rock oriented, you know, Journey and Van Halen and Rush and things like that. Mm-hmm. They needed it a little bit mixed to kind of just fit in a little bit more because it is, it's completely punchy. And you hear it, you're like, I can see why it hit on radio. Like you actually, you do hear it. It was such a brilliant remix.
0: What was your favorite discovery while researching the book? Once you actually started working on the book, yeah. what was your favorite discovery?
1: I think one of my favorite ones, and you know, this is something that's been mentioned a couple times over the years, but in, in doing research, it really stood out to me. One of Simon's vocal influences on the record was Gordon Lightfoot. Uh, he had an early '70s hit that Simon really liked, and he he mentioned in a VH1 like the songwriters that they did around 2000 that, you know, he was, that was an influence. And then I, I kind of did some Googling and like, you look at, I think it's even on their Wikipedia page, but I try not to use Wikipedia because things are wrong. <laughs> but, you know, he mentioned, you know, on, on Duran Duran's website, fans had asked about this, but like, you can hear it, like you hear it. And like the way he kind of sings, I'm like, that is so, I mean, I think that if someone mentions Duran Duran and seventies, you know, light rock, Never, you know, it's like they're like you know total opposites. Right. But you can hear it. I mean, his voice is so he has such a theater background in the way he kind of emotes and like you can hear that that sentiment and emotion in that. So that was one of my favorite things that I that I learned basically. Absolute, um,
0: absolutely, absolutely yeah. fascinating. I'll have to listen I'll, when I read the book. I'll, I'm, now I'm gonna start comparing back, <laughs> comparing and contrasting on that. How, if at all, did your perspective on the album change from? again, once you started working on the book, once I got sold mm-hmm. to when you finished, did your perspective change? And if so, how?
1: You know, I mean, I mean, I've been a fan of it for so long. and I've listened to it for so long. I think my perspective, because I got to do so much deep listening and then I was able to kind of listen with all the context from the interviews. I just, I, I started to appreciate it a lot more. And, you know, I always thought it was a genius record, but like next level. Like I see, I I can hear now how everything fit together. I can hear the different influences a little stronger. You know, I think, you know, there was that, you know, Simon was, you know, life, love, joy, division, and you can hear a little bit in that, which is, you know, was also not something you might necessarily associate with Duran Duran, you know, and then I, I can hear like the little details. You're listening on headphones. I can hear things a little bit clearer. You know, I just, you know, the, the, the record just seems like uh, you know, it's just so much deeper to me and even lyrically, you know, I mean, I think it, it's such a record that I always loved and really resonated with. But then kind of reading the lyrics and trying to puzzle them out like, you know, it's a very sweet record. It's, it's a very earnest, you know, like we are so excited to be doing this record. There's some moodiness and there's some, you know, dreaming like it's, you know, it, it's a really lovely time capsule. I, I appreciate that a lot more now.
0: Yeah. And it, it's got peak Simon LeBon esoteric, the aphids line. <laughs> That's like the ultimate. If you're looking for, yeah, that's the one that, I think all of us Duran Duran fans are longing for something like that. And I'll see that in the message boards all the time. Will you do something like in The Chauffeur? Well, you know, yeah. he ages. He's got different perspectives. You can't expect everything to be like when you were 24. It's, it's understandable that it would change. Um, how important do you think this album is in pop rock? Because I've always thought it's a, not a, Shame necessarily, but I'm surprised it's never made like the Rolling Stone 500. Which I know that's subjective, but I've always thought that this is maybe the definitive album of the British Invasion, yeah. of the early 80s British Invasion Wave Two, and I, 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 it's gotten a good amount of attention over the years, but it always seems to be maybe just lacking something. But yet no one really rips on it either. It's always considered a great album. So where do you, how would you rate its importance in pop rock?
1: It's it's funny you say that because in in my introduction, I actually, I compare it to kind of the 80s totemic records like Prince, And you know and and Madonna and Bruce Springsteen and because I said they're basically universe shifting records because I completely agree with you, I mean. You know you, you know so many great bands of that era that made you had amazing singles and the records just didn't quite live up to it, you know they had like three good songs in them and over full length record it kind of Peters out Duran Duran didn't do that they made this masterpiece and i i completely agree that i think that it is one of the most important records of the 80s um you know and most one of the most important records very much of the british invasion i mean it kind of kicked off the british invasion when you look at it you know that came out in 82 it finally became a hit you know later in the year into 83. 83 is when everything exploded you know with culture club and tears for fears and eurythmics i mean it really opened the door to a lot of things i mean i think it really was just is just you know seminal i agree with you It, it definitely deserves more press and just more accolades and respect as you know this is a really this is a musical triumph and achievement
0: last uh main question for you the band has referred a few times over their career to this album is kind of our next rio in a way i (laughs) want to say i heard it referred to about Madazzaland. i think i heard it referred to about all you need is now if that comes up every so often yeah which is understandable because rio is the pinnacle they're the band members. They're going to have their own opinions. As as a as a fan and someone who's really investigated the music and really taken it all in, which other album do you think has is the closest to being not Rio Part Two, but kind of getting to that point of a complete a mm-hmm. complete work that they can really say, "Here's Rio and here's this."
1: That's such a good question. I mean, I. You mentioned Medazzaland was like the record I fell in love with. Like, I absolutely adore that record. I saw them for the first time on that tour. I think that's that's probably one of their most underrated records in their catalog. It's just very strong as well from start to finish. And All You Need Is Now. I love that record. And that, I think, is the one where it's like, it's Rio Part 2. And I think they work with Mark Ronson, who's such a big Duran Duran fan. And he was like, just, just get back in that mindset. Get back in that mindset. And, you know, I think both of those records, they have the essence and spirit of Rio. You know, as, as much as, you know, Duran Duran had all the success from album one, they just kept going. They weren't self-conscious and they just wrote and put out the music and remembered they were, you know, why they were in a band in the first place. And I think both of, you know, all you need is now is spe- 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 specifically, I think, really kind of captures that. You know, there's, it's kind of cheeky, there's a little bit, there's glamour, there's mm-hmm. some, you know, uh, there's some, you know, seduction. You know, you can see a little, little bit of the parallels, but they never duplicated. I mean, I think Rio is one of those records that comes along once in a band's career you know and if they kept trying to i think one of the strengths of duran duran is they didn't try to recapture it and really try to make rio part two you know they kept evolving you know this today the band just shared a soul train performance of skin trade Mm -hmm. that's just so funky and so cool you know i mean they by the end of the 80s they were really embracing their love of soul and r&b and funk you know, and they really they followed their muse wherever it went. And that's one of the reasons why Duran Duran is so great and remains so great. You know, you never know where they're going to go next.
0: Exactly. Well, we've got this new album coming hopefully this year.
1: I'm excited. Yeah, I know.
0: I know. I know I'm, I'm, well, supposedly the new single comes this month. And if anyone's watching this in like June, well, maybe it's already out and you already know what it sounds like. But there is a lot of anticipation. So more new to come. I would also encourage anyone to read your Twitter feed, especially the 33 Days of Rio. There's stuff in there that I'd never seen before, which that, again, is a fellow fan that's saying something that, oh, I never saw that performance. But that Philadelphia one was, even if it's just, I know it's just a lip sync, but still, it's different it really
1: is. And, you know, and I was sad that I didn't find that before my book was due. You know, I knew it existed and I kind of looked around for it and it was kind of elusive. And so it, it surfaced like in the last like couple months. And it is like, it's like this lip sync and Simon's dancing. And, and, and that I think was like summer of 82. This was before Rio was a big hit in America. And it's such a fascinating kind of look at the band and what they were like then, you know, right before everything kind of exploded. Because there aren't enough videos of kind of that little bit in America, you know, mm-hmm. like they open, for Blondie and I've been looking for like a video of their opening act on that tour because that's supposedly really good I haven't found it yet but it is it's like you know like Simon is like you know really kind of trying to figure out and I'm obviously they're in an empty studio lip-syncing which is such a bizarre experience anyway (laughs) (laughs) so the fact that like he was like you know so going for it, I mean that 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 speaks to how uh, you know what a consummate performer he is but it definitely is like they're willing to do anything, you know, they were willing to really just give their all, even in most absurd situations, because they were so committed to being successful and making their band a success. And I mean, I think, you know, that that sums it up right there. You
0: no, know, that's the reason why we're talking about a book about that album. Here we are 39 years later. Yeah. Um, Annie, thank you for writing this book. I'm definitely going to be buying it. Uh, and Yay. I would encourage anyone watching, listening to, uh, buy it as well. Duran Duran's Rio from the 33 and the third series, Annie Zaleski. Thank you so much. Enjoy book release day tomorrow after, after we're chatting, it's finally here. you got your books. It's here. Yay. So thank you for taking time to chat uh, with, uh, with me today and all the best going forward.
1: Thank you so much. I appreciate it.
0: You're welcome. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. Annie Zaleski. You can feel the enthusiasm there for this this music, for this project that is in the canon of great pop music. And so, yes, this is definitely a must-read book. If you like Duran Duran, obviously. If you like good pop music, obviously. If you like the, the British invasion of the 80s, definitely read it. Uh, if you like good albums, definitely read it. Duran Duran's Rio part of the 33 and a 3rd book series. You can learn more about the book, which again, May 6th release date. So if you're listening, very likely already out. Uh, Bloomsbury.com. That's the the company that's been putting these out. Also, you can learn more about Annie at her website, AnnieZ.com. A-N-N-I-E-Z.com. She's on Twitter. As I mentioned earlier, Annie Zaleski, at Annie Zaleski, at Annie Zaleski. That's where, is that 33 days of Rio, uh, thread that is a must read, and there's a whole lot being shared there. Follow all of that. It's definitely, definitely worth it, along with her on other social media platforms. This has been the latest edition of. Got time for a quick story. Thanks as always to my employer, Greatest Hits 98.1 Radio in Eau Claire, Wisconsin, uh, where, as mentioned in the uh, interview, we play a couple songs off of Rio. We play Hungry Like the Wolf, and we play the title track, and we play the David Kirschenbaum single mixes as well. Uh, you can go to our website, greatesthits98.1.com, to listen to and watch other interviews we've done. Uh on our interviews page, which is right below features at the top of the website. You can also go to our YouTube channel and watch. And listen to a whole bunch there as well. For this podcast, uh, you can find it on a lot of the usual podcast platforms. Subscribe to it uh, so you can find out about new episodes. Rate it if you can. Rate it higher so more people learn about it and the uh, word spreads about Got Time for a Quick Story. I'm Luke Anthony.